Hello, this is David Metric, founder of Airbrook One, where we are reimagining how you can book and fly privately. With the big increase in popularity in flying private jets over the past couple of years, it's our hope that our listeners will learn many of the ins and outs of flying private jets. It's a very cool world, tough to break into, so let's get into it. We just had a great conversation with Amanda Drum, who's a flight attendant for Pegasus Elite Aviation based in Denver. And it, I thought it was awesome. Her love for the industry and her knowledge about being a flight attendant, what it takes, is just astounding. It's so infectious when you, when you listen to her. And it's like it almost makes you want to become a flight attendant. So we, we had a great convo about a lot of past flights, how she looks at preparing for a flight, prepping for it, talks a little about, about the... Um, the crews that she's with and, and the company she works for. And it's really a great, great uh, conversation. I hope you all enjoy it. Welcome to the Jetmetric Podcast. Today, we are welcoming Amanda Dram, who I'm told is a flight attendant at Pegasus Aviation or super awesome flight attendant at Pegasus Aviation. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I was uh, talking earlier with our, with our producer and I, and I told her that we spoke what we spoke about a week ago, week and a half ago. And I literally yeah. wish that convo of about 45 minutes was our podcast because I thought it was awesome. Uh, meaning I'm super excited for you to be here and talk about something we haven't really talked about yet in the podcast, which is talking with someone who's in the air all the time with people who fly privately. We've talked to a couple of people who fly privately, a lot of people who are more technically in the business. So I think this is going to be a pretty good conversation. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited too. All right. So I guess the first question, not to be so dry, but what, how did you think of or um, want to become a charter flight attendant? Well, I always had a dream of becoming a flight attendant and I was originally from Wisconsin and then I decided to move out to Denver and I always loved Denver International Airport and I wanted to work out of there. And I got a job at a small private charter company out of Denver and I did that for six years and that was we did private charters mainly and then they kind of started doing more scheduled routes out of dia which was a lot of fun too but i wanted to continue doing um, private charters so then i pursued training to fly on like the heavy jets and the ultra long range jets and the executive airliners or business liners and now i was just recently offered a full-time position at a part 135 charter company flying gulf streams Oh, wow. That's awesome. Super awesome. All right. So maybe the next time we do a podcast, it won't be from the same place. <laughs> yeah. We'll never see. know. Never I'm know. in Memphis now. We were in we were in Mexico City all weekend. It was a lot of fun. It was it fun? I'm supposed to go to Mexico in about two weeks. Hopefully that, uh, you know, with the COVID thing happening, we'll see what happens there. But um, yeah, I love the travel as well. Um, you know, my just real quickly, my background, how I got into private air. I don't know if we talked about this was that I, I, from the real estate background, and most of my clients do development or open new restaurants and retailers, retail locations across the country, and most of them fly privately. So I was lucky enough for like 30 years to fly on big challengers and golf streams, and it was super awesome. I'm like, I have to figure out how to get involved in this. So Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. It really is. I have a lot of background in the service industry too. So I always worked in like, you know, the high-end restaurants or mm -hmm. I worked at like a five diamond resort and I always loved, I love serving like the luxury hospitality. That's what, how I really kind of got into it. And I wanted to learn more about 
Well, being a corporate flight attendant or VIP flight attendant, a lot of it is having culinary skills because you're doing, you're plating a lot of the food and you're sourcing a lot of the food. And it's just, there's a lot of room to be creative. It's, and every flight is different. So you can kind of choose what, how you want to go with it, depending on how many passengers, what time of day, what, you know, whatever it is. So that background being in like working at a restaurant or bartending, you know, cause you're making cocktails or whatever you're doing on the flight, depending on what the client wants. But all that background has really helped. It's, it's interesting uh, you say that. Help me succeed. Yeah. It's interesting to say one of my friends owns, he has a, Gal- a Global Express. And so he has a flight attendant crew on there. He has, I think, two of them at all times. And I, and I asked him, what, what do you see? What, are the, what, what do you look for when you're hiring a flight attendant? And what you just said was, is kind of how he answered it. He said to me, you know, they're not just flight attendants. They're like concierge. They're cocktail mixologists. They're personal assistants, caterers. Um, you know, even he has a dog. So he says, sometimes, you know, one of them loves my dog. So and my dog will hang with, hang with her for the weekend if we're somewhere. And it's kind of goes with you said, oh, yeah. you said along the lines. Yeah. We've had a lot of, like recently there was, I haven't ever had to watch the dog over the weekend, but definitely take care of the dog um, during the flight, you know, and you can make it fun and like buy the dog, even something yeah, <laughs> for the cool. flight cool. or like they, and they get a kick out of it. So it's always because pets are like family. I mean, they should be treated with, you know, the utmost customer service. Too, so. I'm a big dog. I'm a big dog. Person, yeah, so people, totally they travel with, I just had dogs, but you know, cats too, they travel Sometimes, I mean, there's people that even travel, they'll just send their pet, you know, they'll fly their pet wherever they're going and there's nobody else on the plane, but they're, I haven't heard before. (laughs) So that's a thing too, that people do, you know, if they're moving and they don't want to, or whatever it is, you know, I haven't had that yet, but I've heard that that does happen. That's funny. In fact, when we, when we uh, created our, um, you know, the app and and the software, we, we have a, you know, a, a pet button on there. Everyone thought I was crazy. Like, I'm telling you, I know a lot of people who fly and they bring their pets with, it's going to be a thing. It's like a year and a half ago. And I, and I agree with you. I think now recently it's become way more popular to bring your pet with. Mm-hmm. So I uh, had a question. Like, so you have tons of different, I assume clients, you know, every flight's different. And so how do you get ready for the flight? Like, do you get like a synopsis of who's going to be on there? Like their wants and their needs and kind of prep for it? Like how does the whole thing happen yeah. beforehand? Yeah, there's always, it's a crew brief is what it's called, or like all the trip details via, you know, email that you'll get from the dispatcher, the charter coordinator um, at the company that you work. And then that has all the details on it, like who your crew is, you know, what plane you're flying or what, you know, what tail number, the show time, you know, the duty time, you know, who the client is, how many passengers, where you're going from point eight, you know, the departure destination to the arrival destination, the time zones, you know, the catering, passenger transportation, um, how they're getting there. Or sometimes you have to coordinate all that. And sometimes it's all coordinated for you. So you have to make sure that you're reading every detail on the, um, the trip sheet. And then, you know, once you get all those details, then you look at what, you know, what tail number you're on. The full-time flight attendants that I work with, we all communicate via email. And then there's kind of like a there's a lot of checklists that go, you know, after you're done with the trip that you have to fill out. And then you kind of go to that airplane or that tail number, whatever you're on. And you look at what needs to be on the plane, you know, what, what needs to be clean still, if there needs to be fresh flowers, if you have to get catering, if you have to get, you know, you have to, you're sourcing the, the fridge bag items like lemons, limes, milk, um, creamer, orange juice, 
whatever, I mean, or the client could want, you know, almond milk or whatever the case is, you know, so you're kind of looking at what you need for that specific flight for that in that plane, you know, a lot of it matters what plane you're flying. I'm mainly on a G4 and we have the company that I work for. They have not sure how many G4s they have probably five. Mm -hmm. So and everyone is a little bit different. So you don't know, you kind of have to remember they're all set up different. The galley is set up different, you know, there's some that are really big ovens. There's some that doesn't have a microwave. There's some that doesn't, you know, that so you just got to look over what, what's all on the plane and what, you know, what's needed for the flight. And it, it's always different. Cause you don't know, it could be 10 passengers. It could be one passenger. It could be, there could be children on board. So then you might need, you know, stuff for the kids for them to do or movies for the kids or coloring or, you know, whatever it is, there could be birthdays or somebody celebrating like an anniversary. Then you want to get, you know, more, you know, you could have balloons or you just want to make right. it, whatever it right. is, you want to make it special for that person or for those guests. So it's a lot of fun because every, every flight is different. And then there's pop-up flights too. That's a last minute. And then you have to rush to the grocery store and grab whatever you need or whatever catering they want. The last one I had, it was like at nine o'clock at night, he wanted caviar and the flight was at like 8am and it was ready. You know, the place was closed, but they ended up getting it. It wasn't the best caviar. It wasn't like the, the really, really good stuff. Petrosa is what everybody likes, you know, out of New York and Beverly Hills, but we still got it done, but you know, so you just have to make it work with whatever you can do, whatever with the time frame. Sometimes you only get like three hours before the flight and you kind of have to hurry, hurry and rush and make sure that everything is, everything is done that they want. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's fine. You sound like my, my head of flight concierge, she, checklists and notes, checklists and notes. Yeah. A lot of checklists. Yeah, a lot checklists of checklists. And- right. So we've automated everything. So it's like, you know, we have a tequila. Someone wants tequila. You check tequila, and then there's like different brands you can click on, like so. It's right. Simply get a printout. It's crazy though. I know what you're talking about. There's a lot to go into it, you know, and it's nice when the broker will take care of the, you know, like the catering. But I don't. Sometimes I like going and I like getting it myself. I can source it a lot cheaper than a catering company. But if that, I mean, it's they do a really good job. All the, the catering companies, you know, out of typically wherever they, they played it really nicely. And it's, it's less prep work for the flight attendant. Cause it's already plated, you know, right. and then that's true. So when, when you, when you fly, is it typically the same crew? No, I mean, well, typically I, like my job, we do rotation. So we're on 20 days a month and then we have 10 days off a month. So it, it just depends. This rotation, I was gone for 14 days. I'm on day, like 13, I actually go home tomorrow. So I'm really, I'm excited for that, but and this whole trip, it was, I did have the same crew. Typically, yeah, you'll be on the road for a week with the same captain and pilot. But sometimes you're not. I mean, sometimes it can switch. It just depends on how the schedule works and how it works with everybody's hours and the pilot's duty times and, you know, what, whatever the case is. But you are with the same crew, I would say, for a week, about a week at a time. Okay. So... Where you work at, I mean, I don't know how many plane, uh, planes or packages, maybe like 20 planes you all have, I think. Um, I don't think they have that many. Well, they have, I'm still pretty new there. So I don't, I think they have, they have a few G4s, they have a 550 and they have a G650. And then they have other like smaller jets where they don't have a flight attendant. Got it. That they have people being transferred. Yeah, we do get a lot of requests for the G4s. I think they were built in 1990, 1995 actually to begin with, but they're such a workhorse and so many of them have been refitted. Like you said, the insides are all different and all that because again, they've been around forever. 
but they travel such a great distance. That's why people, I think, like to use them. Although with the new engines that are coming out, they're kind of more like energy efficient. It'll be interesting to see like what happens with the G4 like five years from now or 10 years. I know, because they're all getting kind of, I mean, these planes are, they're older. They're not, right. they're not brand new planes, but they're still excellent. Like you said, they're still excellent planes. That's like the plane. It seems like right now, the G4, everybody's flying and chartering the G4. Right. There's, we've seen so many that like were built, like, I don't think we have a 95 yet, even though the first year it came out. We've had some that were built 20 years ago, but they were refurbished in the last 12, 18 months. So they, you know, they look yeah. brand new on the inside and they're incredible. And you can oh, wow. On there. Yeah. yeah. We've seen a lot of those recently. Oh, the G650 that we have, it's, it's awesome. a beautiful airplane. It's, it's so, you know, it's just, it's very, very nice, <laughs> but I haven't actually flown on that one yet. I can't wait to fly on that one. Um, Cause you can, I think the G650, they can, that plane or that jet can fly anywhere in the world right. nonstop. Right. Yeah, so crazy. pretty incredible. Yeah. And then they're coming out with the new, you know, the, well, the G700 and the G800, I think, aren't they coming out with the, yeah. that soon? Yeah. I follow, yeah. I follow the Gulfstream uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, oh, all yeah, yeah. announcement. And Brayer's trying to crank out as many planes as they can just because of the inventory shortage right now. It's crazy. Oh, are they? Yeah. I flew on an Embraer that the last company out of Denver, the Embraer, um, the 145 and the 135. I flew yeah, on. They're nice. So. Not huge, but they're nice. Yeah. We had one that was really nice. It was all redone and it was, it was more executive style. And then the other, you know, the 145s were more like a shuttle service, like 50 seats, 50 passengers. It's a good plane. Yeah, it's still I, a good plane. Yeah. I flew to San Antonio at the end of last week. It was a day trip just on, just on American airlines. And they had the, it was a 145 there and back. Same thing. Oh yeah. yeah they do that a lot. It's a good plane. Solid. So let me ask this question. I know you, you, you did say 20 days on 10 off. I was, I mean, but it seems like that 20 days, like you are locked in. My question is more about like the, you know, the required time commitment. It seems like you're full go for 20 days and you get to chill out for 10 days and love that. I mean, in talking with you, the, the, the love you have for your job is so infectious. So I, your answer is going to be like, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I assume you're going to say that. I love it and blah, blah, blah. But it's just, yeah. I know it's just, it's so intense when you're flying, you know, 20. It can be, yes. I've had a pretty, this rotation, I don't want to jinx it, but I've had actually a pretty easy rotation this time. It's been pretty like we, like we had all weekend off in Mexico city. We had three days off. That's not typical. Usually you only have like one day off mm -hmm. sitting in a place. Um, but it, it all depends and the rotation before this one, I was going, going, going. I mean, I think I was going for 10, 11 days straight working 12, 15 hour days. So it just depends. You, you never know what you're going to get or you never know, like there's different trips that there could be pop-ups or could be cancellations or sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. And you get to sit in a place for a couple of days. Is Pegasus like part 135 or are they part 91 or both? They're both. It's part 135, but mainly, and then sometimes we do, you know, part 91 flights if needed, but they're part 135. Yep. So what's your, I mean, I think you might answer this kind of ready. I got a feel for the planes you like, but what are your kind of favorite planes, to, I guess, to fly on? And also work on, I guess, two different things. I mean, do you get the, I mean, like when you go back to Denver, are you commercial or are you on their plane? They commercial us back. Um, I love the Gulf Streams. That's my absolute all-time favorite airplane. And that was always a goal of mine. I always wanted to be a flight attendant on a Gulf Stream. Every Gulf Stream is different. Like sometimes we have one where the galley's in the front of the plane. Mm -hmm. And then there's a galley, most of the planes, there's galleys in the back. 
or in the aft cabin. Right. And I'm still kind of deciding what I, what I like better. It's kind of nice when it is in the front because then you don't need to disturb the passengers. You're not like walking through the cabin or the labs in the back. And then it just depends. They're all set up a little bit different, but I love the Gulf streams. And I also work on a, um, when I'm home in Denver, I manage a global 5,000 and a challenger 300, but they don't, it's just a part 91 account and they don't um, have flight attendants, but I do all the, the stock and I manage the, you know, all the snacks on board, the liquor, the wine, and I order all the the stuff that this particular owner likes. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And he pays me really well. And it's, it's easy. You know, you, you go in and couple hours and then you just, then you're all done. But the, the global, that global that I work on, that's another really nice airplane that I would love to fly on someday. I haven't, I've been on it many times, but I haven't gotten to fly on it. So hopefully at one point, He'll want a flight attendant and then he'll be like, Hey, Amanda, you want to come with, you know, the trip. Sometimes he'll take a flight attendant if it's not, you know, usually it's just him and his wife flying on the, on the plane, wherever they're going. But if there's more than him and his wife and there's a group of people, then he'll have a flight attendant that can come and, and serve and, you know, just make sure everything's organized. And right. So if I, so I, the I, pilots I have to do it all. Right. So <laughs> I was on a, uh, with a client probably about, it was probably about maybe 10 years ago at max. And he had a Challenger 300 and uh, the company did, but the owner of the whole company is a retailer, bought what was the brand new global at the time. So like, if it was, if it was set commercially, you could fit like you're saying like 50 people on there. So we were in Cleveland. We got, I don't want to say, we ended up getting stuck in Cleveland. We landed in Cleveland after bouncing around the Midwest looking at site locations. And they said, like, oh, we're, the new plane's picking us up. We're going to go back to New York and be for a couple of days. And then, you know, we'll send you back to Chicago. I'm like, great. Cause I'm, I'm out of Chicago. So we get to Cleveland, massive snowstorm. We were on the global for probably six hours and then they canceled the whole trip. So I didn't fly on it, but I was on there and there were, there, he had three flight attendants on there. So it was great. We're you know, drinking and eating, just kind of talking, but and I never, I've still not flown on one either. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, so you were just stuck on the ground? Stuck on the ground, yeah, in up. Cleveland. It happens, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah, that, I mean, so have you ever been a global for? I've been on it, haven't flown on one though. But I was on it for six hours. No, me too. <laughs> They're so nice. I know. Beautiful airplane. I mean, really crazy. They're so big that I mean, that airplane has it's a five thousand, I believe. Yeah, global five thousand, and it has like pretty much three different compartments. You know, three different areas. Like you know, you walk on the galleys right in the front. Right. There's a nice lab. Then there's like the seating area. You know, where the where the principal or the the owner will sit, and then it's kind of like there's a TV and crazy. a conference table. And then he's got a really nice back area where there's like his closet with he, where he can put all his personal items and another lavatory and right. really nice. Very nice. Well, setup. One cool thing we used to like we're in the challenger challengers. Are great. I, I love them. But one thing, so we, so we would fly, we'd fly around and then the owner, like if there was like that, I wouldn't say bad weather because we wouldn't fly in bad weather, but there's, he hated turbulence. So he's like, I got the airplane because I want every flight to be like butter. We're like, what are you talking about? You know, and so we learned like we're taking off from like, say, Chicago and going to Detroit, which is like, what, 40 minutes. He's like, this, this plane, this trip's going to be about an hour and a half. We're like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I, I they figured a flight plan out to avoid all the turbulence. So we would spend a little more time. Like you're, usually, you're like doing, yeah. doing the flight to save time, but it was more important for him not to have any bumps. So we would do these trips that were double the time frame it was kind of funny oh really well yeah if they don't if some people are terrified of turbulence yeah, for sure. yesterday flying back from 
Mexico City into my Memphis, it was actually pretty turbulent. Was it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like even the most of the flight, it was pretty, it was hard for me to, to do the service because, you know, it was really, it was actually pretty turbulent the entire flight. So, but some people are terrified of it and then you kind of have to, you know, deal with that and make sure that they, you know, are, are calmed down or, or the pilots can find a different altitude to fly at right. or what, you know, sometimes they can't even help it. When I was flying back to Chicago on Thursday, Thursday night, the pilot, I was sitting in first class, the pilot comes up and says, I just want to let you all know it's going to be pretty bumpy. Um, so we're going to put the seatbelts on. But the good news is we've got great headwind. I guess to Chicago an hour and 23 minutes, which is unbelievable. So we're like, all right. And so we take off and there's no turbulence and it took us two hours to get there. So we don't know what happened, but it was kind of normal time frame. And, and I, I look at flight aware all the time. So he filed a uh, plan to go, I think it was like 560 miles an hour, and it was going to take the hour 25, whatever, whatever he said it was going to take, and up flying about 450, and then it was like 201 or something. So I, I'm fine not having turbulence too. I, actually, I, I look at the flight attendants and like to see what, what their reaction is, and if it's like all, you know, bumping all over. Yeah, most people do. I don't, I don't mind turbulence. I don't get scared ever. I never, I always love to fly. I always, you know, I love being up there. So I never, I'm always just like, even if it's really bad, I'm like, I give people the thumbs up and I'm like, everything's good. We're I mean, yeah, 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 no, that's smart. There's no, because everyone's thinking it, like, are we okay or not? But at the end of the day, no one's taking off. It's going to be dangerous. It just doesn't happen. Well, one of the most dangerous flights I've been on, you know, we used to fly in um, Denver to Telluride, Colorado, oh, that's and that can get yes. rocky. In the one flight that I was on, it was, it was pretty, it was actually pretty bad. That was on the Dornier 328, you know, the high wing, it's a 30 seat jet and he shot the approach. And then we, you know, we're, we're almost about to land and then we have to go around. So then we have to go back up again and then come back around um, and then try it again. We tried it like two, I think it, like three times we couldn't get in. Cause it was just, there was the crosswinds and it just wasn't, it was, it was so turbulent. Like everybody had their, their six sacks ready. <laughs> I think a few people actually <laughs> guess so. threw up or uh, like a little kid, did, I think, but, yeah. and then, so then we had to divert and that happens a lot, you know, going, we had to divert to, um, Montrose. Have you, uh, have you flown into Aspen? Yeah, that's, that's, more. Okay. I've I've flown into Telluride more, more, but I've definitely flown into Aspen too, and that can get kind of dicey as well. Yeah, I ski a lot, so I've been to both of those. And I remember when we were first putting this Airbook one together, my head of operations was like, "These are the eleven airports in the U.S. that we need that when people are booking, we got to make sure they they are booking the correct airplane because it takes so much yeah. power and fuel to get up and out. Landing's a whole different story, like you're talking about, but just to get up and out." You can't get up and out, and then all of a sudden you've used 20% of your fuel because now it limits where you're going. So it depends. Because of the altitude, you mean? Or yeah, because the it's power yet to get, get yeah. out of there with, and with the winds and the weather. and Yeah, it can. it's pretty dangerous. I mean, you have to be with a pilot that knows. I mean, obviously the pilot knows what he's doing, but right. you have to be with a pretty, a really experienced pilot that you can't just have. I mean, people that people fly in there all the time. Right. During the day, it's not, but. No, yeah, my, yeah, my comment's more about the fuel. It just takes so much fuel because in Aspen, it's so steep just to get out. You got, you, you take off and you, you have to shoot you know, right up. Same with Telluride, very similar. So how about some of the, like, what's the craziest? Well, I don't have to say the craziest. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what our show's rated. We'll have to talk to the producers. But what's like kind of <laughs> the coolest or I want to say crazy story that you could share with us on like some of your trips. Yeah, I have, I have a few. I can't share too many details. I probably won't say any names or anything. Oh, please don't. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, but definitely have flown some pretty, you know, a lot of celebrities and it's always exciting and interesting to say the least. <laughs> but again, I mean, these people are in the end, like I always look at as these people, they're people, they're just people like flying. They want, they need to go to point A to point B, but then you get these people that, you know, they're partying or they're, they take it a little too far, you know, or they're drinking too much, but the whole drinking thing can get a little out of hand. One of the, <laughs> the stories sometimes, you know, if they're younger and stuff, yeah, um, well, we had to fly. I actually didn't have to fly this person, but one of my really good friends did. And it was a flight with, he was like a YouTuber or like a social media personality. Right. Um, and a younger person, I mean, in early twenties, this person has a lot of money. He's, they were, they were chartering the plane. They were going like Burbank to Las Vegas or something. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty quick flight. And there, the plane was, you know, he had, I think like 30 people on the plane and they were just being, you know, at that point, we, the flight attendants responsible for checking everybody's IDs and making sure that like, these people are who they say they are that are coming on the plane. None of them had their IDs. They were just being rambunctious in the FBO, just like kind of tearing the FBO apart. Oh my God. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, just being in flight. They, so, he, you know, they're videotaping everything, you know, they're videotaping it to put it on, to post it on social media. Right. So my friend was just scared because she's like, I'm going to get fired They're You know, they're spraying champagne everywhere. They're smoking vapes They're it, Yeah. It was just a wild party and the flight, they were going to Vegas because they were, they were faking their wedding. They were pretending like they were getting married oh or something ridiculous. Right. And then so they had all these people on board, like their family. And I don't know. It was just, it was a crazy, like the plane was completely trashed. <laughs> like good thing it was a short flight. Was it like 30 minutes, 40 minutes? Right. It was like 30, 40 minutes. So, but this poor girl, I wasn't on that flight, but I've seen videos and she told me all about it. And it was like a fake wedding to Vegas. And these people, again, they were all early, young, in their twenties and just partying. But then I flew another he's a rapper, an American rapper. And he had all of his people that worked for him. Come on. We're waiting for him. He was like two hours late. And we serve on that flight. We served like king size candy bars, soda, you know, a lot of sugar, like not really healthy snacks. And he got very upset. No hummus and chips. No. So, and I wasn't aware of that. Like usually, you know, the, the broker or somebody will be like, Hey, he doesn't want, you know, any sugar, not candy, make sure right. there's like healthy options on board. No one relayed that information to me. And so I'm, you know, going in the cabin kind of passing out, you know, and asking what they want to drink. And he kind of got really upset with the, with the snacks and everything, but it wasn't that big of a deal, but he did get a, you know, he got really upset, put it that way <laughs> over the, over the snacks. But then, so I was the first one to fly this person. And then on the next flight that he flew, he did fly with us again. He really liked the, the plane. Mm -hmm. And on the next flight, he actually asked one of the flight attendants um, to model for his, he has like a clothing line. Okay. So that was pretty cool for her. So then she ended up modeling for him or like doing some type of shoot. Right. With him. That's cool. But, but yeah. Um, I mean, we flew a lot of like NCAA teams, all the, you know, the college basketball boys, they're always, you know, they're just college boys. So they're kind of sassy or, you know, they ask all of us out and, you know, it's like, okay, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> I'm like, I'm much older than you. I'm not, you know, I wish I was still 23, <laughs> but 
It's funny. So how about, I mean, you love your job. It, it comes across apparently. Yeah. Uh, oh, I great. love it. So what, what, what's like the next in your mind, like five years from now, 10 years from now, what's like your kind of next thing you're thinking of for yourself? And I, by the way, I, I love the idea that you're working with that one owner to kind of stock and take care of his airplane. Oh, he's great. Yeah. That, that, that might is, be a business for you, but I'm just throwing that out that there. That could, you know, that mm -hmm. is a good idea. Yeah. I mean, eventually once, if you want to settle down and have a family or, you know, kind of have a little bit more of a normal life, but, but I don't, that's kind of the person I am. I like to be on the go and I love to travel. So I don't know the next step. It could be something like that. It could be working with like part 91 owners. And I would help purchase all the, like you said, purchase all the stock that's needed for their specific plane. Or I would do something like in human resources. I'd be like, a, I always like recruiting people. Like, I think I'm good at, I guess, reading people are like seeing, like, I'm good at like, oh, I think she'd be a really good fit. Right. I don't know. That would be fun or. I say the same thing, by the way, I said it within two minutes of meeting somebody, I, I know they're good, bad, whatever. Yeah. I'm really good at like somebody's vibe or I guess somebody's energy. I don't know. I, I'm good at like, it's like, well, you know, she might, there's just certain people that you can kind of tell if they would, if they'd be a good fit or not. So I think if I worked at like a, like a large, you know, airline company, or I don't know, it would just depend on what recruiters are more you know, at like the airlines, I don't know if they're necessarily at in the private, right? They are, but you know, usually it's like the owner, you know, that's looking They're They're going to pick who they want. Right, they're particular it. on who, what they want, like what somebody, you know, it's all about what you look like, how you act, how you talk, right. um, but, or like something in design, like the last company I worked at, I designed a lot of the uniforms, like what, mm -hmm. so that's like cool. flight attendant uniforms would be fun or even like interior jet design. Um, I also really like floral arranging. So like even floral design, like being a floral designer for private jets or something. You I don't ever thought about, um, learning how to fly. No, I don't. I don't want to fly. I get asked that a lot and I'm like, no, I just want to be the flight attendant. <laughs> I don't, no, no, I don't want to be a pilot. Well, ever. It's not just a flight attendant. Y'all do so much. It's incredible. We but do. Just, yeah. it's, you can't imagine everything in the industry, about that one, that or mechanic. Those are two things you didn't mention. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to do that really. I'm more of a, I can't sit still. There's no way I would be able to sit up in the cockpit for six, yeah. seven hours. No way. I, I would, I have to be walking around and talking to people or like doing something. Cause I, I just can't, right. they do a lot, you know, they're on the radio. They're really busy up there, but it just, it wouldn't be for me. I don't think I would like it. I understand. So what, what was your, I think last question here, we really appreciate your time on this. Um, what was your favorite trip that you've been on? Just a private, private trip. I would say I had, I thought about this. Um, we did a trip. I don't know if you heard, ever heard of Marfa, Texas. I have not. Oh, it's the coolest little town. You would miss it if you, you know, if you drove through it, but it's like this small little eccentric desert town. I'm trying to think where it is in Texas. I'm looking right now. My mom, my mom, my mother was from Texas. So I know a little bit about Texas. Yeah. So it's like this artsy cultured little town, but the charter that we flew in there, it was for a, an actor's birthday and the actor wasn't on board, but all of his friends were on board. And, you know, it was like a lot of famous people that were on board, people from all over the world. We picked them up from, um, I think Van Nuys, Van Nuys to Marfa. So it was like a three hour flight. It was a pretty long flight in the Dornier jet, but it was a surprise trip. So a lot of them on the flight didn't know, they didn't know where we were going. They're just like, okay, you have to show up here 
And, you know, when we land in Marfa, then you'll figure out where, where they are. So some of them knew where they were going just because they did, you know, mm -hmm. they were talking to people, but it was a really, it was a fun flight. There was so many people on there and they were drinking his wife, like brought a couple bottles of tequila and they, they were just a really fun group of people. You know, they were all excited to go celebrate his birthday. And Marfa is like, like I said, it's the coolest little town they have. They have great restaurants. They have this really cool like campground there that that's where they all stayed. Um, that's like kind of like a glamping campground. Like it's like all these airstreams where they're all decked out to the nines. Like they have, they're, it's more of like a five-star hotel type of experience. <laughs> I looked at it. It's like, it's not really near any. No, it's in the middle of nowhere, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just in the it's, desert. Yeah, it's near but... like Chihuahua, Mexico, you know, the, the, the region, but not near San Antonio, not really near El Paso, closest, I guess, El Paso, but still. Yeah, it's so pretty far close. out. Yeah. So middle of nowhere, you wouldn't think, and then they have something called the Marfa lights where they think that there's aliens in the sky or whatever it is, but you wouldn't even, the airport is in the middle of nowhere. And there was hardly any, there was all these like tons of jets there, you know, from all over, like really big, heavy jets flying in for this guy's birthday. It was just a really cool trip to see. That sounds awesome. That sounds super awesome. And probably I'll say one more, probably my first trip to Canada was a lot of fun too. That was like my first international trip as a flight attendant. We had three planes going there and we flew in a, it was like a company outing where they all flew into Canada. And then, so it was kind of fun because all three crews got to spend like the weekend in Canada. I can't remember where, but I'm trying to think. Where, where'd you fly into? Do you remember that? Campbell River, maybe? Hmm. It's just a small little beautiful place, but I think it might've been Campbell river, something river, but it was in BC. I'm trying to think, Got it. but that was a pretty cool trip too. So I like going to remote places. That's why being a private flight attendant I and mean, you get to go to some of these really remote exotic places. And it, it's a lot of fun because um, you wouldn't normally go to these places. You know, they're just right. kind of places that only certain people know about. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Super cool. <laughs> All right. Well, th you know, thank you so much. I mean, it was great convo. This reminds me of our first conversation we had, which is excellent. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, again, your love for this industry is so infectious. It, it comes across and like everything you say um, and, and talk about, it's really cool. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Bye guys. Thanks. Thank you all for joining the Jetmetric podcast today. We hope you all learned a little, maybe became a bit smarter and maybe just maybe you're now at Jet Center or at least on your way to be. The Jetmetric podcast is brought to you by Airbook One where booking private jet charters has never been easier with guaranteed pricing, a high-end flight concierge team, and a super cool app. Check out Airbook One at www.airbookone.com and on both the Apple app and Google Play stores. This podcast can be found at www.jetmetricpodcast.com and, of course, at the Airbook One homepage. Have a great day, and until next time on the Jetmetric Podcast, read, learn, and fly. See you all.